It's Wednesday, July 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio is the one and only Motley Fool analyst, Aaron Bush. Aaron, it is just you and me. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling special. Are you feeling I'm, special? I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited because we've got a lot of exciting stories here. Um, a little later in the show, we're going to talk about Elon Musk and Tesla going to China. Some big news there. And then Google. Google seems to get in a lot of trouble in the EU and when it comes they to do. Europe. And so we're going to talk about the latest kind of kerfuffle there and what it may or may not mean for investors. But I want to begin with the latest wheeling and dealing in the world of media and entertainment. 21st Century Fox has agreed to buy Britain's Sky TV in a deal valuing Sky at around $32.5 billion. Um, Sky is pay television, for those of you who don't follow the company. Now, that offer, that trumps a rival offer from Comcast. And um, this all happens, Aaron, against this backdrop of Disney and Comcast battling it out over Fox's assets as well, so or most of Fox's assets. So, we have a lot of wheeling and dealing in media and entertainment. What do you think? I mean, it's an absolute frenzy. That's for sure. Uh, Fox already owns 39% of Sky, so they're acquiring to bid the remaining 61% that they don't own right now. <laughs> I think what what is just amazing about all this, the bidding for Sky for this particular deal started back in 2016, and it just keeps on being a back and forth between Fox and Comcast and regulators. And now, if you look at Sky today, it's trading at an 80% premium. To when the the bidding first started, which is crazy, and what that tells me is that these big players trying to consolidate the space, they're kind of desperate to a little bit. And does that desperation? We were talking about this before the taping. Does that come from Netflix? Because Netflix has had such an incredible run. Is this all in response to this this fear of what Netflix is and could become? I do definitely think that's a piece of it. So. Essentially, this is a battle for who will own the content and distribution that will define the next decade. And I think what Netflix proved is that scale is especially important. So, all of these large companies, even though they're large on their own and they do other things besides just content and distribution, but they're realizing for them to stay at peak relevance, to be meaningful to everyone, own the customer relationship, have people pay lots of attention to them, that they have to pay up. A whole lot more than they would have expected even two years ago, but they're doing it, um, which is crazy in my opinion. Okay, so against that backdrop, who do you see as the biggest winners and the biggest losers with all this wheeling and dealing? Yeah, so the biggest winners is just whoever is getting acquired, because, like, <laughs> I mean, Sky, for example, is an obvious winner. That right now, Sky is like their market cap is trading above what uh, Fox is offering, which tells me that they're expecting Comcast to come back <laughs> again. And so like really just like these companies that are deemed to have valuable assets, um, those are the winners, at least for the short term. In my opinion, and this might be controversial, the losers is whoever is buying them. Um, and the reason is because they are not prioritizing price and they're just trying to stay relevant. And relevancy is important, but if you just keep on raising the price, then you're raising the barrier for making these assets actually be worthwhile 
to you. It, it becomes harder and harder to justify the price. And as all these companies keep on taking on debt, they keep on just trying to force their balance sheets to make this work, and all the force synergies and all of that good stuff. Um, it'll just become harder and harder. So I, I really view this as whoever is getting acquired today is stealing the returns from these the investors in these larger companies in the future. You know, that reminds me of um, on our recent trip to Philadelphia, we were part of a leadership development group here, and we met with Jack Bogle, yeah. the founder of Vanguard. And he had this great quote. He said, trees don't grow to the sky. They don't. But it seems like Netflix has been growing to the sky. Maybe Netflix is not a tree. <laughs> Maybe it's a skyscraper or something. Everyone else is the tree. No, Netflix is playing a different game. And I think I think this is especially important to understand. So all of these companies, the Foxes, the Disneys, they saw what what Netflix achieved, and all of these moves are their way of trying to match Netflix in some way, um, which I think is important. The future is definitely um, digital, you know, digital delivery of huge bundles of content. Um, owning the customer relationship scale is important. But what I think they're doing is they're trying to race who Netflix is today, when Netflix is playing at a whole nother level and is trying to become what Netflix will be tomorrow, which is something completely different. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Let me give you some names here and see if any of these names jump out at you. When you, when you define this space broadly, when we're talking about media and entertainment, we're talking Netflix, of course, we're talking Disney, Comcast, Amazon, Alphabet, Apple, we could go on. Any of those names jump out at you? I think that Alphabet, Amazon, and Netflix are still the most interesting. So Alphabet owns YouTube. They're playing a completely different type of entertainment game. Amazon, um, kind of similar to Netflix and the, or I mean, similar to Alphabet in the sense that they have Twitch. And I think that, you know, if you look at people saying the best tech acquisitions of all time have been Instagram and YouTube, maybe Booking.com. Twitch is the next one. I think Twitch is probably going to be worth $100 billion at some point for Amazon. Um, and so, Amazon will have that. They'll also have Prime, which is similar to Netflix. But I do think Netflix and Amazon um, will have a, a pretty striking future that a lot of people don't expect. I think Amazon recognizes that you know, the future of them, once they, right now they have 125 million subscribers. One day, that'll be 400, 500 million. And what can you do when you have half a billion subscribers? You can do a whole, <laughs> a whole lot a more. Lot. Uh, so they'll probably there'll be diminishing returns to the spending that they have on just normal content. Big sports rights will be up in the next decade. They're probably going to be able to pay up for that more than other players. The future of video games is streaming and cloud infrastructure. Who does that better than Netflix? So I, I think. Netflix, there's there's hidden optionality there, and for these more the newer, internet native entertainment companies, they have hidden optionality that these massive, old school behemoths aren't picking up on yet. Okay, well let's move on and let's talk some Tesla. Tesla is opening its first factory outside the United States on Tuesday. CEO Elon Musk reached an agreement with the Shanghai government to open a factory in China a factory with the capacity to build 500,000 cars a year. Aaron, what does it mean for Tesla? Yeah, well, China is a really important market for Tesla. It's their second largest market outside of the US. Last year, they sold 17,000 cars there. Um, and just given the sheer population size of China and their efforts through regulation to make electric vehicles more prominent, I think 
China presents huge upside for Tesla if they can get it right. So I'm excited to see them them coming in here. Um, the second piece of it is more political. Um, last Friday, auto import tariffs um, to China um, were raised to 40 percent. So if you're trying to sell a U.S. car in China, it's a 40 percent tariff. Um, Tesla has already had to raise prices 20 percent, but you know prices for cars aren't like that. Inelastic. <laughs> um, so, some so a way to get around the the terrible pricing and what they have to give up to the government, they're just going to go straight to China um, and build there. And what's interesting about this to me is that most companies, manufacturers, entertainment companies, whoever they go in with joint ventures, they partner with Chinese companies that can help them navigate the political waters and just build more specifically for that region. Tesla is going it alone. Um, there's some risk in that, um, and they do have, I guess, Tencent owns five percent of Tesla. Um, but the, if all goes well, they will own 100 percent of the revenue that comes from China, which could be a big deal. So, Aaron, I don't know if there's a company that elicits stronger opinions, you know, bull, bear, yep. than Tesla. So, I'm curious when you just look at Tesla writ large, what's your biggest question going forward? I think the largest question around them is, will they be able to raise capital in an investor-friendly way? Um, so, for example, raising these new manufacturing facilities, that's going to take a ton of money. It's probably only going to be like three, four years from now that they actually start producing in a meaningful way. But it'll take, you know, it costs a billion dollars or whatever to get there. And there's more going on than just this one factory. Tesla already has a lot of debt. Um, so, all of these opportunities are fascinating. No one is doing a better job pursuing them than Tesla. But it, the accounting, the balance sheet issues, I think that could pose real issues. I, I don't really know. I could see it going either way. I wish I had a stronger opinion. Um, but that is definitely what has me a little paranoid right now. Well, let's move over to Europe and talk about the EU. Um, the EU's antitrust division is reportedly preparing another multi-billion-dollar fine against Alphabet, Google's parent company. Now, Aaron, this fine um, reportedly is for Google illegally abusing the dominance of its Android operating system. And when I look at shares of Alphabet today, they were. Up slightly. Oh, yeah. So, you know, once again, investors seem to shrug it off. I'm a shareholder in Alphabet. You're a shareholder in Alphabet. Yep. Is this just more background noise or should we be worried? I think for now, it might be background noise for Alphabet. It's sort of a congratulations, you're a monopoly. Here's, here's <laughs> a slap on the wrist, the best we can do to keep you from becoming even more of a monopoly. But this still doesn't change the fact that their platform. Is super dominant, um, and you know the fines. They, it's even though it's in the billions, it's not a huge deal for them. Um, so it does hurt them. But what's actually interesting to me about this move, but not only this move, but just the fact that it's one in a series of moves, not only against Alphabet but all tech companies at large. I think it says um, bigger things about the state of technology in Europe and the future. What what that could hold for the future there. And what what is the bigger thing? So are you are you getting at the whole idea of innovation? If you're if you've got a company that you're looking to start. Then you're gonna you're gonna go somewhere other than the EU. Yeah. So I guess one part is that 
these regulations, they do hurt large companies, but they hurt smaller companies even more. And that is tech companies, that's non-tech companies. But also, it's harder to be a tech company in Europe. I mean, moves like this are one piece of evidence. GDPR is another piece of evidence. Like, it might ultimately be good for people, EU citizens, um, but the cost associated with it is huge for large companies and like borderline like terrible for smaller companies. Um, further privacy regulations, data portability measures, copyright directives. There just keeps on being more and more of these things that are designed to help customers, but they have unintended consequences. Um, and so I saw a study maybe a week or two ago um, that it was just saying like where are the future unicorns going to come from, and Naturally, there was a lot of them that people predicted were going to come from the U.S. A lot were going to come and, from and China. And define a unicorn for sure. someone who doesn't uh, know that term. A startup that becomes a billion dollars, so especially right. a new company. Not a, that reaches, not a horse with a horn on his head. No, a startup that reaches you know huge scale. And so it was essentially saying lots of them are going to come from the U.S. A lot more than people think will come from China. Uh, maybe some will come from India, but people were predicting like one or zero coming from Europe, and that is because of regulations like this. And so, when I look at Europe, yeah, I'm really not that optimistic about the future of technology companies there. I think the government can change things, but I don't know if they will. And seeing this unfold with Alphabet isn't a big deal for them, but it points to what could be a very big deal for everyone else in the future. Okay, so as we wrap up this story, how about you were talking unicorns? How about one private company that you're excited about, or or at least that's on your radar right sure. now? Sure. I mean, I look at. I mean, I run our crypto service here, so I'm looking at all sorts of weird things that are <laughs> that are coming up. Um, and so, I guess just to point to one company that had me excited over the past year is a company called Blockstack. Um, they they raised venture money, but essentially what they're trying to do is become a decentralized app store. So, if you look at uh, Apple, for example, they take a cut of every transaction. What if you could have an app store that isn't run by a company where the governance over time gets distributed to a larger community? The community lets you keep 100% of the revenue, and it facilitates decentralized applications that help rewire the way the internet works. Like, who gets to own the data? Companies or the individual? What does that mean? Um, there are just a lot of really interesting implications to the way that the internet is transforming for the future and where value can be accrued. This is a company that um, will probably launch a token, actually, soon and become public in that sense. Um, but I think investors should be looking at more of these types of companies. And I'm, I'm personally excited to see this and others like it continue to make progress. And the name is Blockstack. Yeah, Blockstack. Okay. Okay. Well, we got to wrap up with my desert island question. Totally unfair, totally arbitrary. Don't invest this way at home. With all that being said, let's talk about some of the stocks. If you're on a desert island and you have to own one of these for the next five years, 21st Century Fox, Comcast, Disney, Tesla, Alphabet. Alphabet. I think that uh, search is still ramping up. Their monopoly is not going away anytime soon, not in the next five years. YouTube is very underrated, and they're producing so much cash, I'm sure they'll make other value accruing moves. Okay. Aaron Bush, 
Thanks for joining me. Thank you. And I want to give a shout out to our Motley Fool podcast shop. Lots of great Motley Fool swag, shirts, coffee mugs, caps. That's shop.fool.com. Shop.fool.com. And if you have any questions, if you have any comments, you can always email us at marketfoolery at fool.com. Marketfoolery at fool.com. Thanks, as always, for joining us. And remember that The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. And people on the show may have interest in the stocks we talk about. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.